Welcome to the Venue Solutions Podcast, where we talk about everything data center, information technology, cybersecurity, and more. I'm William, Venue's data center sales engineer and one of your hosts. Hi, I'm Eric Malatesta, Venue Data Center Infrastructure Manager and also one of your hosts. And I'm Michael Faisley, Venue's Network Infrastructure Manager and Cybersecurity Specialist. And I'm also one of your hosts. This is Venue Podcast number 84 for June 17th, 2022. In this podcast, Eric, Michael, and I discuss data center ROI, return on investment, and solution lifecycle management with Venue's own Andy Piner. All this and more in the next venue podcast the views thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast are the speaker's own and do not represent the views thoughts and opinions of venue or any guests employer and welcome to the venue podcast hey guys i'm one of your hosts william hey everybody this is eric hey everybody it's michael hey guys how is how is your friday going today going well going well Looking yeah. forward to this podcast today with somebody that's trying to chime in in the background there before we're ready to introduce him. <laughs> yeah, hold, hold, hold on now, hold on. Just, we have a special guest um, today. So um, we have today, today's special guest is Andy Piner. Um, welcome aboard, Andy. Andy, this is, I think, your first time on the podcast. Uh, Andy is one of our uh, sales executives at Venue and have been, has been here for at least 30 or 40 years and uh, we just want to say hi, and we've got some good topics to talk to um, talk to Andy about today, and I think it'll be a good podcast. Andy, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of tell us what you do at Venue, what your roles are, and go from there. Welcome, yes. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, wasn't sure about the etiquette. I uh, thought maybe I could chime in early, but um, I'm Andy, tasked Andy, with... Andy Piner, long-time listener, first-time uh, attendance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't listen that often. Um, the, uh, I guess the, the things they want most out of me is to, to solve our clients' problems with uh, solutions we offer that help protect their data or make sure it's uh, accessible, available, recoverable. And I enjoy doing that. Um, new, net new businesses as well as some current clients. And uh, I'm excited about today's uh, topics for the, the podcast. So Yeah, so, so you know, we, we, we talked about this subject and it's a, it's a conversation that I and Will and I have seen presented before. It's been years, though. And so this is exciting for us to see. I think Michael was even mentioning he's actually never seen this kind of uh, analysis that we do. Uh, and I was I was glad you, you didn't call yourself a salesperson. You're, you're, you're a solutions guy. And, and you are. You know, Andy's like like Will said, Andy's been here quite a long time. You know, he understands what we do here. And he understands that, that the end goal of everything that we do is is to help our clients' business grow. And so if that's keeping your servers up 24 hours a day, that's one thing he does. Or if it's, you know, saying, hey, we, we can't move our data into your data center. However, we need to have our backups there for hurricane season. He, he said that. Or if he says, hey, we're, we don't feel secure at our perimeters. He's got, you know, security stuff he can offer. But he bundles all those things together when he's talking to find a solution. And, and Andy, I, you know, I, I've worked with you for years. And, and, you know, I said you're my favorite salesperson and you're my per, per, favorite person to hate. <laughs> uh, it's uh, synonymous, isn't it? Yeah. So today's today's discussion, uh, I think, is something we, we, we always talk about a little bit on all of our podcasts. But uh, I was actually on a call with Andy, um, or was it earlier this week or last week? And it was last week. The, the call revolved around 
um, our discussion around data center return on investment, right? And, and also the lifecycle management of, you know, rolling your own hardware or doing something in cloud. And I thought it was a good, I've heard this, you know, Andy's delivered this, this message to our clients uh, off and on for years, right? And I actually haven't heard it in a while. And when I was, when I was on the call with Andy last week, I was like, you know, this sounds like a great podcast. <laughs> this would be good to actually have Andy give this to our, to our listeners, right? And, and to us as well, because we, it's something we always um, kind of need to focus on, right? And helping our customers make those decisions. So, and talking about that, really, it comes down to comparing, you know, when we, when we start talking about return on investment, um, you know, normally when we're starting to work with customers, we're thinking about, okay, Mr. Customer or Miss Customer, do you need to move to a data center, right? Um, you know, what are, the certain, what are the things that you look at when you're deciding, do you keep the gear in your premises or moving it to a data center or maybe even to cloud? So, yeah. Andy, and you, know, you want to talk a little bit about kind of what, what you normally discuss with customers or what you see customers ask you questions about? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the the most common request we get, whether it's, you know, a referral or, or, or call in or somebody that we, we first reach out to is they think of us as a place to put that that backup copy or that DR environment or things like that. And inevitably, it uh, turns into a conversation about where is production? Now, many have moved to big public clouds and, and they're completely off-prem, uh, but there's still tons of people that are running internal data centers in their businesses. And I would contend, hey, uh, I'm a great place to put a DR environment. I could put you in a, a number of different cities, places we operate, places that we resell. But wouldn't it be better to have your production in a place where it doesn't go down? At least it's not concerned with power and cooling and connectivity. You know, your systems, they're, they're your systems, but uh, it'd be better for people to put production in a commercial data center. And if they must have their DR somewhere else, they could have it on-prem. And, and I go through an exercise. It's not so much a presentation, but an exercise where I work with the contacts and, and kind of help them put a number to what that room costs, right? That, that on-prem corporate data center, it has a true cost, but it's never listed on a budget anywhere in almost any business. Unless you're a Google or a, a Facebook or a, a huge data company and a huge one, you might have a huge, you know, relatively speaking, you might have a large corporate data center, but there's no budget for it. There's a budget for the UPS system. There's a budget for the HVACs, maybe. Right, and, and I help, find- I'll put a number to those. Do you find that most organizations, um, it it kind of starts growing organically and then turns into something that they didn't originally plan, where like maybe they, they had a little bit of stuff in this closet and then, oh, it's getting really hot in that closet. Let me jam an air unit into here and blow out this wall. And then, you know, five years down the road, it's, it's turned into something that they didn't re- originally plan for. And then they're, they're looking to us, um, you know, to maybe have a conversation. Yeah, they build a they build a Franken data center, right? And it's it's yeah, they, they yeah, add exactly. they add on a little bit here and a little bit there. And after they've spent a, a ton of money, then they still have this thing that's kind of like put together, not quite right. Would you say that's the exception or the rule? Uh, no, that's probably the rule. 
people will will organically grow that corporate data center and and yeah they might put a bunch of money into these rooms um some of them they do quite nicely and you would say this is a really nice computer room you've got raised floors you've got hvac Uh you have a big ups but you only have one ups you've got a generator you only got one generator What's that? You don't have a maintenance contract on your generator? Have you ever cranked it and it didn't start? It happens yeah. at the data center, so I know it happens out on-prem. That's yeah, so you have the plus ones. Right, so 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 these data centers, we call them data centers in, in the people's offices because, I mean, calling it a closet is not fair because they've done, like you said, they've done a lot of work to, to grow these things. However, what you're, what you're saying is that, that the long-term cost, so it's like having a car, right? So I... I, I I get to a certain point in the in the lifespan of my car, and then I start dumping all this money into it, right? And so one day I'm replacing the brakes, and the next day I'm replacing the the power steering, and the next day I have to do something with my transmission, and then and over the course of two years, maybe I've spent you know an extra ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars on this car, whereas I could have put that down on a new car, a Tesla for Will, and it would have been able to you know I would have taken that money and directly chain, transferred it, but now I have this. T- investment of cash that I put into it that I also have to support moving forward. So it's one of those things that someone says, well, I got this data center. It's already here. But in reality, what you're saying is, well, there's much more to the cost than what you've already put into it. It's all this cost going forward. Yeah. So there's an operating cost. There's some, some soft costs that we, that I help people estimate, right? It it really is some, sometimes hard to determine. And and again, it, as an exercise, people will disagree with my numbers. They'll say, Andy, I don't, I don't think I have downtime like you're projecting, or maybe they know exactly how long they were down last year, but it's an exercise. And sometimes I'll say, well, you know, it looks like you've got uh, maybe on average nine hours of downtime a year with your corporate data center. Is that 150 employees times, I don't know what, 50 bucks an hour times, nine hours or did it happen at midnight and it didn't affect production or do you disagree with that nine hours? You're like, we didn't go down at all last year. What about the year before? Maybe they've never been down. So it's a zero, right? Yeah. Like, so you're right. So I'm that's not actually, trying to say that that's a cost. It may not be. And it's a soft cost. It's an estimate. It's a, eh, looks like, you know, but, but does it happen when you're trying to get out that giant bid or, does it cause you to, to lose some brand image because your clients are like, man, can't rely on these guys. They're, they're always having system issues or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. And downtime is one of those things where, you know, if it happens for nine hours out of all how many hours are in a year, people don't remember those other 3,000 hours that it was up. They just remember those nine hours it was down. So I, I think your point is well made. And then then looking at that cost, you know, having employees that are unproductive during that time frame also helps you understand you, Andy, as well as the, the client, as what does that really cost to, to the business? Right. Yeah. Right. And then, so, and so then, my exercise kind of puts that all on a, it's a spreadsheet, right? You know, and it's, it's just a way to kind of, people intuitively know this when I'm talking to them, they're like, of course I know my, my HVAC systems cost money. Uh, I'm like, and, but if they're not the financial guys, I, I, I say, well, okay, well, what do they cost? Are they, did they cost you $50,000? Well, let's amortize that. 20 years going to last or 15? You tell me. And, and then it's a budget number that every year it costs some dollar 
Well, and, no, and no, also, no. you know, do, do you need a 10-ton air conditioning unit if you didn't have this data center here? Could you have had a, a less expensive system to run the rest of your building because you don't have this one data center consuming, you know, probably 20% of all the cooling? Yeah, and, and no one has a separate utility feed for their computer, their, their corporate data center, right? It, it's all on the same electric bill, and they don't know same how much HVAC bill. The same, they don't know how much goes to the computer room and how much is the people rooms. Yeah. And, and so, a lot of times people don't really, you know, they'll, they'll look at, they'll focus on one, customers will focus on one thing, like maybe it's it's generators or maybe it's, um, you know, AC or something, right? And really it's, it's, it's more things than meets the eye, right? It's fuel. It's what are you going to do about fire suppression and fire suppression testing. And then, you know, on-prem security, maybe you need to have... Um, you know, someone either securing your data center, you know, on-prem or, or remotely. So when you really look at all of these costs, and, and Andy does a really good job of, of helping the customer realize what is the bottom dollar when it comes to how much you're spending on an on-prem data center uh, versus moving to a data center like Venue or, or, or Cloud. You, you know what gets overlooked the most, I think, is uh, the real estate. So... We've had people come to us. They could afford to build data centers as, as robust as ours. It's still cheaper to rent from us than to go and do it. Their, their line right. of business is not the data center business. They're in the healthcare industry. They're in banking. They're, they're in these fields that are not data center. So why be in that business? Um, but they'll have a room that maybe consumes, who knows, 2,000 square feet? Yep. Uh, maybe it's 200 square feet. Is that valuable to them? Because maybe it isn't. Maybe they're like, I wouldn't do anything else with that room. I couldn't generate revenue in there if I removed those computers. But other people tell me, you know what? If I remove those computers, I could sell this building. Or I don't need to even use that space and I'll sublet it. Or yeah. I could drop that lease. I could reduce my monthly rent here at this building. You could have room to put in a, rid of that room. You could have room to put in a wet bar. You know, I mean... Take all that data center stuff, gear, move it to venue, build a wet bar, make employees happy. <laughs> I will use that you know? one, Will. I like that. And I think really, you know, over the last few years, it's really been it, the, the time to move to a commercial data center keeps on getting better, right? With And I think for, from my perspective, the thing that would help hold people back of going not only to a commercial data center, but maybe eventually cloud, was connectivity, right? How do those seats that are in my office get to the data center, right? And, you know, as time moves forward, connectivity gets easier to get, it gets cheaper, and it gets faster. So, so now really, you know, the, the, the discussion was, well, I need a gigabit to my, to my files, right? I'm opening, you know, whatever over the, over, the, over the network, right? Opening files and folders and things like this or running applications over the network. And the, the connectivity to your to your servers needs to be robust. Well, nowadays, really, and especially with our relationship with, with Rev, uh, we have that connectivity out to customers' prem, right? So moving the data center is not necessarily moving across town or across the state. It's just, you know, a, a single hop away or, or, you know, virtually, right? It, it's much faster than it used to be in the past. Yeah, and, and also from a connectivity standpoint, <clears throat> a lot of times when organizations have an on-prem data center, they usually only have one feed from one provider, right? So if that provider's having a bad day, that organization's having a bad day, um, you move into a data center, more often than not, you're going to have, um, you know, redundant feeds, 
multiple providers, so you're you're really insulated from those those types of outages. And sure, and um, and and all now on, on top of that, you still have the ability to bring in your own connection. You can say, I don't want to use yeah. the data center's connectivity. I'll bring in my own AT and T direct to direct. You know, where I'm doing MPLS or something like that, right? And and you have that option still to do that. But the data center and even AT and T has more redundancy within our data center. Uh, well, and I see a lot of people now uh, with SD WAN having flexibility to even if they're still in PLS, they'll have a second provider that they can route in and out of from that office location. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's it's about uptime, right? And 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 what we're talking about in this is this return on investment type conversation. Is is that uptime? Is that valuable, right? And and can you get that same value in your office? Probably so, but can you get it for the same cost of leasing it out from somewhere that already has that stuff provided? Yep. I mean, what is it going to cost to bring fiber into your building for AT&T or Verizon or even Rev uh, versus it's already here in our data center? Well, and are you going to ring it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably not. We had touched on something a little bit earlier that we kind of glossed over, but I wanted to circle back to uh, Andy. You had mentioned gens. You know, usually places only have like one gen, but uh, and and I think Will just like briefly touched on it. But fuel, right? Like when there's a prolonged power outage, say a hurricane rolls through, everybody is clamoring for fuel. So to be uh, an organization that kind of has your own data center that's trying to acquire fuel. Um, if you don't have contracts with companies to, to bring in fuel, uh, that's, that's rough. Well, and that's, sure. and that's really when we look at our history with things like hurricanes and things like this, this is why, where we leverage our relationships with fuel vendors, right? Where, yeah. you know, we have relationships where we're saying, Hey, we're not just servicing, one or two customers, we're servicing hundreds of customers, right, in our data centers. And and that helps us get the priority to get that fuel to us, um, you know, maybe faster than just one, you know, one customer out in the world somewhere could, could get it, right, or, you know, in Louisiana. So I, I think that's, that's definitely a benefit to running, you know, in, in a commercial data center. And we're not talking necessarily moving to cloud. We're talking about just having, you know, utilizing the facility, right? Uh, just moving your gear and putting it in um, in our data center, right? Moving it from your well, premises. And, and honestly, we, we actually help customers do that, right? We help, a lot of times customers will be like, well, you know, especially if they're a larger customer um, or with a, with a smaller staff, they're, they're apprehensive to actually lift that gear up and move it, right? Whether if it's, Something going on where they haven't shut it down in a while, or there's 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 logistical problems. That's something we definitely help customers with, actually moving their gear to our data center. And we've done that on numerous occasions. I think, uh, and Eric can talk about this. Where we'll come in, we'll actually label cables. We'll we'll make sure that we can move this this gear from point A to point B, and, and really minimize downtime to moving to that that um, that data center. Sure. I mean, <clears throat> Michael can attest to this. I mean, we almost ended our friendship over our migration. Uh, <laughs> I just joke. I just joke. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we obviously do that kind of stuff. But but you know what I'm interested in is is Andy keeps talking about like I help show these people these things. You know, loss of opportunities, brand image, you know, risk of data losses, a power outage. You know, having cooling in your building, having a room space. How do how do you show them this? You you keep you said it multiple times. I help show them this. But how what is your process to show them this? 
Oh, so so it's literally multiple conversations and a spreadsheet. And at the end of the day, I've got two columns. I've got hard costs. So, you know, like I mentioned, there's not usually a, a separate power feed for power and cooling. And I just use math and, and they might agree or disagree with my math, but it it helps people understand what they've got internally and then they can make decisions, right? Am I going to upgrade that UPS or am I going to consider moving to a venue? Am I going from paying zero, which they're not, to whatever Andy wants to charge me? It's not zero to my charge. Um, I've seen people be upside down and straight up save hard dollars by moving here. Um, more often it's somewhere in the middle, right? But uh, but so to answer your earlier question, there there's 8,760 hours in a, a year, and I multiply that by the per kilowatt uh, typical rate times the amount of kilowatts that we think they're going to use to run their computing, and uh, multiply that by uh, power usage effectiveness. That's less like a, a way to say for every watt of power that I'm powering this server, I need uh, some amount of power to cool it. And on average, a conservative estimate would be two, right? I need one watt to power it means I need a whole watt to cool it. Um, so one-to-one -one ratio. You know, world-class data centers are like 1.3, right? And, and a oh, one yeah. would be a, a, one I don't know, a data center in Greenland with the windows open. No, no <laughs> cooling whatsoever needed. So <laughs> the... Um, yeah, I, I, depending so on I, what they're paying and where, where they agree with my number process, it, it could mean 650 bucks a month is on your electric bill for a full rack of gear, which I'm calling five kilowatt of power, right? So a typical computer rack with full of servers, roughly 5kW, um, and, and that could cost 650 bucks a month. It'd be on your electric bill. You don't see it. It's just on the big electric bill for the, the business. Right. Right. It, it's that it's that six hundred and thirty five dollars hidden in your electric bill that you're not even considering. So I want to I want to go back to that because that's an interesting state you ma you made earlier, which was this. You said the the, the client sees themselves as going from paying for nothing for their compute to paying for what Andy wants to charge them. And what you were actually saying is what they're not thinking about is there's already a cost they have in that environment. Well, we know there's a capital cost, that's the, and they know that too, so that they can have that in our data center or not if they're leasing from us. But <clears throat> what you're saying is, hey, I ha you have a rack, you have some cooling, you have some electricity, you have a security system, you have cameras, whatever else you have that costs for that bit of that little room you have there. So whatever those costs are, those costs month to month to month is actually what your baseline is for moving into venue. So if your month to month to month is $1,500 in cost and Andy's saying, hey, I want to charge you $3,000, you're, you're really looking at a $1,500 increase with maybe zero capital cost moving forward ever. Sure. Yeah, right. no, and I even know people that will buy their old UPS systems. So yeah, it's it's worth something on the secondhand market. Um, H, uh, I'm sorry, um, a gas fire suppression system, I think it costs roughly two grand a year to have that inspected. Yeah. Just yeah. to make sure it's operational. 
Well, one right. thing one thing I will say, you know, when when we have these discussions with customers and, and Andy, you know, we definitely we think we see this more often than, than not. We'll have these initial discussions with customers and and you know, we'll kind of go through the spreadsheet or Andy will go through the spreadsheet and then they'll kind of go away and that it makes to, to talk what what really happens is it makes the customer start thinking about all these things, right? They they may focus on infrastructure only but forget HVAC and security and these other things. And I think the spreadsheet and the workflow that Andy uses really makes a customer kind of take a step back and then come back later and go, you know what, I forgot about all these other things. Uh, let's talk, right? Well, well, they've had these conversations 10 years ago as well, right? So they had these right. conversations 10, 15 years ago when they were talking about email. So they said, hey, I bought my email system. It doesn't cost me anything to run it now, right? I have email. Right? Oh, well, I have a server that, you know, dies every six years. I have to replace it. Uh, I have to put it somewhere. Uh, I have to have an employee that knows how to run an exchange or Linux or something to manage it. Or I have to pay a consultant to come in here and manage it and, and keep it running and keep it healthy so that, so that I don't lose email. So they had these conversations 10, 15 years ago when they all decided, hey, let's go into you know, a cloud-based email system. It's Google, it's Amazon, it's uh, Azure, it's whatever, right? Office 365, one of those systems. They made that decision. And, and I mean, truly, the, the world kind of runs on cloud-based email, right? So, I mean, there's outliers out there, but that's kind of the, 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 the norm. So this is a conversation that if, if we kind of show them the similarity between the thinking – they'll start realizing what you were saying a minute ago, Will, is that after they walk away, they start thinking, you know, really there is some cost to all this stuff I have. Yeah. And, and and it might not be as much as Andy's telling me it is uh, because I don't have an outage or I, I got to deal with the electric company because they're, you know I'm from southern Louisiana and I know the guys or whatever, right? This doesn't really matter what the reason is. It at least gets them thinking there is actually a hard cost to that data center in their building. Right. Right. And really, honestly, you know, after we start talking about data centers and when we focus on, you know, customer prem hardware, right, um, that, that comes into another discussion really of, you know, lifecycle management, right, and which is a totally different discussion of maybe, you know, I do want to move my gear to the data center, right? Okay, that's, that's usually step one. They'll, they'll move out of their on-prem location into one of our data center colo areas. And, you know, what happens, what we normally see what happens after that is after gear starts aging, even though it's in our data center, that gear that the customer owns starts aging. And then it comes into a discussion of, hey, you know, should you refresh hardware? Should you buy hardware? And that's another, um, you know, that's another discussion point that Andy does really good with of, you know, when, when talking to customers is really looking at the lifecycle management of that, of that gear. And uh, that goes into a whole different discussion of, you know, should you look at actually moving your infrastructure to something that's hosted for you, like um, cloud or, or even private cloud? Yeah, there, there's many flavors of cloud, and, and there's the, the big giant companies, the smaller local companies, the clients we have in the data centers competing with my stuff. And, and then, of course, software as a service, right? You've got a lot of business apps, but when you're running gear on-prem, or in a rack at a commercial data center, um, it has a life cycle, and everybody knows this, and inherently they deal with it. Um, they don't always realize how much of a treadmill it could be keeping up with it, because 
you know, my conversation starts with a, I don't know, pick a thing, say a, a new firewall. Um, typically it's going to come with a 36 month warranty or maintenance. And that helps me keep the math easy. Um, so I'll start there, right? Day zero is the day I cut a PO and 36 is the, the month that, um, that I need to do something different or I need to do something rather. So if day zero is the day I cut the PO, Michael, you're very firewall knowledgeable, but uh, you yeah. know, how much, how long might you shop for a new firewall, do research and due diligence? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I think most enterprises are, are going to look at a few different options. So I would say a, a minimum three months, maybe three months, six. Yeah. yeah. So, so if you'd spend three months researching it and deciding, yep, I'm definitely getting a 40 gate or I love Palo Alto and I can, I can afford it or, or whatever it is. Um, how long do you, do you then have to spend a little time either getting on a Noah's docket or upselling internally to say, this is what we're going to buy. And how long is that? I, I would say a couple months. A couple months. Yeah. Um, so we, we cut a PO how long does it take before we get it? And then <laughs> easy, easy, don't freak out. <laughs> so it's a rough time of year to be asking that question. Uh, in a normal term, uh, things I, were normal. I would, I would say a month tops. Yeah. And then uh, another month or two to get it racked and then in, uh, in line. Yeah. Something like that. So, uh, you know, so you're. You're talking about a six-month period of time where you're researching, internally selling, getting it in place. And if at 36 months, we need to determine, are we going to renew the maintenance on this? Are we going to look if, if something newer and better is out there? Um, you, you really have to start planning six months prior to that to allow yourself enough time to do that research to do that upselling. Now, maybe you don't spend all six months. Maybe you go a month in and you're like, eh, everything else doesn't look that great now. Not any better than what I've got. But the reality is that firewall is not 36 months old or 30 months old. It's, it's closer to four years old technology-wise, maybe older. So the... Right, because you started researching it. That's right, because you started researching it six months in advance or, and it's already been out for two or three months at least. And at least. then... Right. So, so that's a great point as well, Andy. You know, you're talking about uh, so at 36 months, you're already at month 30 of the purchase or, or the use that you have to bare minimally, you need to be working on the next solution. So, so you, you're only getting two and a half years of, of life out of that for the, actually it's less than that because you bought it and you got it, you received it and then you took two months to install it. So you really had 28 months, right? So you're at 28 months of time where Michael Faisley doesn't have to say anything about his firewall. Is it, is it healthy? Is it patched? Is it working well? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The normal right. things that you want him to take care of. Right. I, I call that net use, right? That's when you're not researching, upselling, talking to salespeople like me. You know, you're just happy doing other things. Um, right. Now, what other things are you doing? Oh, yeah. Especially if you're not in our world where Michael's very network centric and Eric, you're very uh, storage and server centric. You know, if, if you don't have the, that delegation, then you're putting on your UPS hat and figuring out, Oh, we got to upgrade the UPS. Oh, we have to look at the HVAC. Oh, we have to look at uh, our, our, wait, wait, so network. you don't do that during the same six months. 
those those yeah that those time frames very rarely overlap they don't right, they right? don't yeah, line they up they, they don't line up so you wind up always i, I like that term that, that treadmill so you're always in a you're always in a research of product that you're going to consume to maintain your compute needs whether it's data center whether it's hardware whether it's networking you may have added some really cool features um Certainly, you added a a bunch of capacity or some capabilities, but you probably did not improve a business process or dramatically enhance the company's capabilities. You know, from a line of business perspective, you're 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 keeping the lights on, and it's very important work, and it's uh, always getting better. Um, You're you're, especially if you're adding cybersecurity tools, you're you're adding more protection. Uh, you're adding a faster recovery on your backup system or whatever it is, but but it's not really um, necessarily the best use of your time. Well, and let's be honest, like most people, although well-intentioned, have things that come up, right? Like, like Eric said, they may be in the middle of one project and they may completely forget, hey, I, I have this this router that's that's coming up end of support or I have some whatever the appliance is or, or software that's coming in end of support and they don't they don't get to that until the support's lapsed, right? Um, it, it it can put organizations in a precarious position. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. And that's why I think more and more customers uh, whether they're in our data center or not, are really making that that des- decision of do I do you know capital expense and buy new hardware and keep this keep running on this treadmill right, or do I go to something where it's more of an operational expense or a subscription that then I consume my my infrastructure as a service or my platform as a service or application as a service from um, a service provider right, um, and I think that's really where most people are. are or, or finding the the value right it may cost a little more uh in one way right but overall you're going to save you may save money or improve performance improve your workflow and your, and your um your business acumen right your business your business processes agreed yeah it is so and it doesn't necessarily save money right it might in fact be more expensive because it is better it does allow you perhaps to focus more on your business or at least your applications and your users and, and not so much find new whatever. But um, but it is important to pay attention to what you're getting and, and who you're getting it from, right? You know, like uh, one of our advantages with our cloud infrastructure is, is it's kind of a, a very predictable cost model. You know exactly what things are going to cost you. Yes, if you consume more, it will cost more, but there's no surprises. We're not... But it's it's semi-linear, right? So if I, you know, if I if I have one unit, it's this much. If I have two units, it's just two times. If I have three units, and it's it's fairly linear. There's some obviously there's some options where where it's not linear, but it's easy for us to put that into a spreadsheet and show them where it's not linear and how they can calculate it. Yeah, the more appealing maybe to the the business types that that want a consistent, predictable cost. Um, I don't know how many clock cycles you're going to use on the CPUs, and I don't care. Some people yeah. do, and some people will charge you accordingly. And and if you use few, yeah, maybe it's cheaper. If you use a bunch, ooh, that costs more than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, the one thing, I, and, and you know, talking about this, I think really the one thing that we bring to the table when we walk to, when we talk with customers is really options, right? And and we can, we can, we can guide the customer along what 
we think will be beneficial to them in the long run, right? Whether if it's moving to a data center or moving to cloud, or maybe even moving to, to um, not our public cloud, but maybe, you know, Amazon uh, AWS or Microsoft Azure, right? Which we're both, we're partners with both of those public clouds. And, you know, I've seen some customers that are like, you know what, I need a smidgen of co-location, I need a smidgen of venue public cloud, maybe I need a little bit of Azure, right? And what's nice about Venue being kind of that edge data center is we can provide all that, right, at a, at a, through a high-speed connection where it really doesn't matter necessarily where the data is uh, for any particular application. We can we can help provide that service to the customer. That's a great point, Will. Yeah, like a lot of, a lot of, of our clients are, are using some combination of everything, right? They'll have a line of, line of business apps that are software as a service, and they'll have big public cloud and they'll have some colo and it makes sense in different scenarios to use each of those um, in the data center. You can have high speed layer two right to that Azure platform or Google cloud, whatever it might be. Uh, a lot of the major cloud players are just one hop away. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. So, so you're combining your, your return on your investment by getting out of your own data center. You're, you're possibly decreasing their, their uh, life cycle management of their own compute if they're moving into a cloud um, or they're leasing a private cloud, one or the other from us. Uh, and then you're also putting them close to all of these other opportunities, which they may or may not have that same kind of connectivity from their own building to say like uh, uh, Amazon East or Azure South, right? Uh, wh where they have that now coming through our data center because we have cr we have fast connectivity and low latency connectivity. It's interesting. It, it seems like you go into these these meetings, and they're like, "Who's this guy, Andy Piner, coming in to try to sell us something?" And and in some ways, you're actually you almost don't even have to sell them anything. You're just helping them run their business in some ways. Don't don't shine me on, Eric. <laughs> yeah. well no it really does sound like you know and, and i think all of us here have this and we've all been doing this for a long time and will and i have said this many many times one of the, the reasons why we like our job so much is that opportunity to help another business another it guy do their job better and easier right that's that's I know that's not technically what we're in the business of doing, but that's the fun part, right? So when, when you're able to show somebody, hey, let me show you in, in my world, it might be how, how to lay out your storage a little bit easier or how to, how to lay out your server in a, in a method where your SQL logs are writing to a different disk than your database is writing to versus whatever, right? So showing people stuff like that has, has always been the part that I enjoy because when they, when they see it and they grasp it and, and then they don't ever call you back for years, but when they call you back, it's like, there's this like camaraderie. Hey, I, you helped me so much, you know, four years ago, I just wanted to pick your brain. And, and that part of the job is really fun, but it, you are actually doing the same thing, but at the, the, the executive level, right. And showing the executives, you know, Hey, we can help you do business better. So anyway, I think it's all good discussion. I think this really plays off a lot of the podcasts that we, we've done in the past, right, where we talk about edge computing or, or, or reasons to move to cloud. I think all these things are related. Um, and I think this was kind of a fun time to have Andy on a podcast. You know, we, we haven't actually had anyone from our sales team on a podcast yet. So I think this was a, a really good experience having Andy on and to kind of have him deliver that message uh, firsthand. Man, you guys, I actually put on a collared shirt for this call, and I'm a little disappointed that 
for uh, video free. So and it's pla- <laughs> and it's plaid, so you get new like haircut, double works. Oh, you got a haircut. Uh, oh come on, Ian. that was not specific to the podcast. Er- Eric, Eric told me before the show that he's going to get a pot. He's going to get a haircut. Sure, no, grow it, man. <laughs> I love the free flag. There you it's, go. Uh, sure. It, it turns out if you do not cut your hair, it keeps growing. Just cut your fingernails. Is that true, Michael? Uh, for some of us. No, your hair still grows. It just doesn't grow all in the same place. Uh, yes. Here's that uh, out of the cheekbones, and there you go. <laughs> Just moving it around. There you are. Well, guys, uh, I think this has been a good podcast for for a Friday. Um, you know, we wanted to kind of get one. We're trying to do the up the cadence a little bit on these podcasts. So we wanted to get another one out this week. Um, I think this has been really good. And uh, we'll be on the lookout for the next podcast. I don't know, maybe in a week or so. Uh, we'll, we'll come up with, we have some other topics in the can that we're going to, we're going to um, look at it getting out in front of everyone. As always, if you want to engage with our our podcasters, right, or anyone really in the venue team, there's a podcast at venue.com where if you have questions, maybe you want to be on a podcast as a guest. Maybe there's something that you can contribute to the conversation or just want to hang out with with Eric, Michael, and myself. Um, please hit us up on podcast at venue.com. And also, if you go to www.venue.com slash podcasts, uh, there is a link there to um, basically a form that you can fill out to engage with the podcasters, and it sends all three of us um, email, and we we love to hear from our listeners. Sure, so we've think- had really good guests lately, and you know Andy follows it up with it with being one of our prime guests here. But that's one of the things that we like is is, is obviously this podcast is fun for Will and, and Michael to I uh, to do, but it's it's we're doing this for ourselves as well as our clients. And so anyone that wants to participate, we are hoping to get even more people. But we've had some great podcast guests lately, and and we we expect that can to continue. Absolutely. So uh, it, with that, if you like the podcast, either this one or ones you've heard in the past, please rate us. Uh, we can be found on the iTunes Store. Uh, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, anywhere where fine podcasts are aggregated, uh, we should be there. So, um, guys, I'm going to wrap it up for Friday, and um, it's been fun. Thank you, Andy. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.